All right. Well, welcome back to the Between Us Agents podcast, where everything we talk about is Between Us Agents. I am drinking some whiskey. Sean, what are you drinking? I'm also drinking some whiskey. Some Elijah Craig. Okay. I didn't hear what you said, but oh my gosh, did we no. lose him? We lost him. Sam, what are you drinking? Land Shark, which Sean just educated us and says has lime in it. Um, I don't believe him, but yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right, Sean, back to you. You cut out. Hard. I Hard. Did. I did. I am actually drinking Elijah Craig. Elijah Craig. All right. Elijah I'm drinking um, Bullet today. Nice. So we'll see. Um, I'm glad you're here, Sean. I know you're distracted mm-hmm. with the current hockey game that's going on in Tampa. It is. It and is. they're losing. It's lightning hockey game. Yep. They're and currently getting trounced by the Leafs right now, 3-0. to zero. Yes. Hopefully they make a comeback. Yes, 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 yes. All right. I didn't give any introductions, but I'm Robbie Lyons. I'm one of your co-hosts. And join with me today is Sean Leahy. How do you say it, Sean? You nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, great. With our other co-host, Samantha Boyd. How is everyone doing today? Rain, rain, go away. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the the very rude wake-up call, I think everybody kind of started off on a bad note. Yeah. Happy 445 day or 450 day for everybody. For those that you know, don't know what the heck I'm talking about in the state of Florida, for whatever reason, they decided to do a test emergency call at 450 this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't go back to sleep. <laughs> My phone was actually in sleep mode, so I just made that whole part up. I did mm. not get it until I woke up and I was like, oh, that's so random. Yeah, same. Um, well, yes, partially. Um Susie was we were actually uh, feeding our kid um, at that time, and it went off during that exact moment. So we were already kind of awake. That's rough. Mm-hmm. You know, not to scare people <laughs> that are future are going to eventually have kids, but that's kind of we we're already awake. So there, it is what it is. Wait, what time do you wake up? Well, I mean. We put him to bed at like what six thirty. He wakes up sometimes between four and five, and then mm-hmm. we, you know, feed him. He goes back to bed, and then and then I'm usually up around six six thirty. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyways, some topics that we have today. Um, I know that everyone's been up for quite a while, especially if you're in the state of Florida. So we'll kind of keep this ball rolling today but sam says do ice baths to sell more real estate i know we talked on that a little bit last week but hopefully tonight she can go in a little bit more depth um 82 percent of today's sellers feel locked in to the house that they're currently in Mm -hmm. building is cheaper than buying real estate i don't know we'll take a look um airbnb wins florida generating 372 million in tourism tax Okay, that's crazy. Ron DeSantis, all over that. Um, imposter syndrome? I don't know. Um, I think some of us kind of struggle with that sometimes, especially when we're on real estate. And then a couple of bonus things. Mistakes agent make in their first year. And we're going to end it with Sean's Would You Rathers. So, but before we get started, how is everyone's week? That's been a pretty solid week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No complaints. 
I felt like a Friday all day today, though. Like I have mm. been thinking, like, oh, oh tomorrow's Saturday. I'm sorry, I'll have to wait till Monday. That, yeah. That's not the case. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah, today definitely felt like a Friday. Yeah. Um, I felt like normally I feel like my Friday days go a little bit longer. Um, and today was one of those days. Yeah, for sure. All right. Sam. Let's dig in. You want me to talk about ice baths? So just yeah, so we we did kind of talk about this last week a little mm-hmm. bit, and then we, and then I just cut you off, and I feel bad that I cut you off, but I feel like you had a lot to say about it, and I feel like you sell more real estate because of it. Um, I'm not making those claims for anybody that's listening currently. That is not something that I'm willing to tie my name or reputation to. What I will say is that I feel like addicted to that to that experience that I had. So it was, it was just the one time, let me be absolutely clear. We've been watching a lot of Gordon Ramsay at my house. Um, Mm. And what it was, was a combination of a sauna experience and then a cold plunge. And so you Mm. saunaed for like 15 minutes, sweating your, you know, what off. And then you immediately got out, went to a cold plunge. The mental (laughs) strength that you have to have to stay in a freezing cold pool as somebody is putting even more ice into that bath (laughs) is insane. Um, So we was it fully was it fully submerged in ice? It wasn't a whole bath of ice. Like the water was already cold, Mm -hmm. and then to like top it off, additional ice was put in. So it was a little um, probably non traditional for for a a cold plunge. I think that it could have been colder. Um, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't freezing my, you know, <laughs> well, when you go, when you go from, let's say, I don't know, let's say over a hundred degrees, mm-hmm. you're just chilling there for a while. I think anything would be cold. Right. Sure. Right. Ran yeah. so like really a need... legitimate ice bath. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty intense. Um, we stayed in there for three minutes each time. And I think there were three rounds total mm-hmm. and you learn a lot about yourself. Like, what do you think about when you're just trying to like push through? And I think that uh, by doing it over and over and over again, you definitely develop more mental strength. And that's something that I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, not saying that I'm not mentally strong, but it's also like even the sauna experience, like in the, and having the total extreme side by side and the sauna, you're kind of, it, it, I don't know how you guys feel about sauna or if you've done it recently, but it's almost like, I, I mean, I'm a fan of sauna, right? Mm-hmm. Cold, cold plunge. I just but, can't. The sauna is kind of like suffocating almost like the yeah, air yeah. is so mm-hmm. thick. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I don't know. Yeah. I dislike the sauna more than I just like the cold plunge. And I really didn't like mm-hmm. the cold plunge, but That's after I was it. like, Holy cow, I want to do that again. That's what you got to think about the difference between that dry sauna or the wet sauna. Like obviously you're doing the wet sauna, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. And is this like an at-home remedy? You're doing this at home? You do this at the gym? What does this look no, like? It was a, you it was wake a... up in the morning at 5 a.m. or 4.45 like us and just <laughs> pop right into a cold plunge? Or I, For the record, I do wake up at 5.45, um, but that alarm went off at Ooh. 4.45. But no, so it was like this like kind of frou-frou yoga studio, and they offer this thing called Nordic Sauna, and that's what it is. It's a class. They made yeah. it a little bit... Ugh, hokier than what I was hoping for. And so when you were in the sauna, you were also being asked like probing questions. And then like, as a community, you each individually responded, which I think could be a great team building event. I wasn't particularly interested in it at that point. It was my first experience doing it. And I was like, wow, it's hot. I don't want to talk about who my best friend is and why right now. But, <laughs> but I do Save think that, that, that is something. <laughs> 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 no, I couldn't talk during the cold plunge. I was like, mm-hmm. do not talk to me. Don't look at me. 
I'm here and I'm focused right now. So then what was, so you're in the cold plunge, what's running through your mind? Can I do this? I know you only did it once, but like what things are going through your head? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, can can I do this? Can I continue Mm -hmm. doing this? How long can I continue doing this? Why do I want to do this? And so you really start to like have this kind of self-reflection of why is this important to you? Why am I here in the first place? Am I trying to prove something to myself or to other people? Because it was a community thing, right? So it wasn't mm-hmm. just, you know, people have individual ice baths at home or cold plunges at home. Right. It was right, right. what's important to me right now and where do my priorities lie? So you were in a, like a, like a, like everyone's in like this, like cold plunge together. So there were. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine this. They are in all in one cow trough together, and they all are just getting pounded and pummeled with ice packs. Can yeah, we talk about it? Like... The weirdest. I paid to do this too. <laughs> I love those at-home remedies that people just take the that freezer that nobody uses unless they go out hunting all the time and bring back their meat. Right. They're actually utilizing that for a cold plunge. For a cold plunge. So like immediately the Google search just started mm-hmm. when I got home. Like that is something that I am heavily interested <laughs> well, in. They ha- they're like, they're like blow ups now. I know, Does but they're like $6,000. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Yeah. No, it's no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. If you're talking about like an inflatable pool that you can put yes. ice in, that's not, yes. it's not sustainable in Florida. Think about the cost of ice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But. <sighs> Yeah, that's, that, it'd be different if you can go out to your back door, shovel some snow, and be like, "All right, mm-hmm. well, I'm doing a cold plunge today." Yeah, yeah, no, it would literally melt every day. So the freezer is a mm-hmm. totally reasonable at-home solution. Don't yeah. know how I feel about having just like a freezer in my garage that I bathe. I literally in. have one, and <laughs> and currently it's just full of breast milk because of my wife. But mm-hmm. um, you know, side note, that was just a fun fact. <laughs> Something you can maybe get into once you're done breastfeeding. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually want to get a bigger freezer for uh, like beef, but that's mm-hmm. another that's another topic. Um, yeah, well, like I was looking on Amazon and they have like these like plunges type things, but yeah. they weren't six thousand dollars. No, those yeah, but it's not going to keep it right? as cold as you want it to be. They're like things you plug in, and they're like they have a top, mm-hmm. but it's just like a seat. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Kind of like you and your those, hobbies. Like, sauna things. <laughs> yeah. You gotta go all in. <laughs> and those sauna things that are like weird little zip up tents that your head sticks mm-hmm. out of. No, I want like a legitimate sauna. What was the movie that that they had that thing? Or, like a ghost was in there? The heck was that? Halloween Town, I think. Do you know what no I'm idea. talking about? Okay. I'm no. not. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I know the movie Halloween Town. I don't remember there being a sauna in it. Mm hmm. Enough, That's not enough. my. Uh, I'm terrified of scary movies. So Halloween Town is a Disney original. Mm-hmm. It's a Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Like Lizzie McGuire stood in front with her Mickey Mouse ears and her fake yes. wand. That sounds <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> okay, so you were a Disney kid. Let's go to the next topic. Do cold yeah. plunges? Do sauna? Move on. Yeah, it'll help mm. you sell twelve more houses a year <laughs> per Sam. Moving on. Do one do one polar plunge per year. I guarantee you'll be able to add that top producer tag to your Instagram <laughs> handle forever. At least luxury. That million, right. Luxury. The million dollar producers, that's my favorite one, is when they cross the threshold of a wait, you haven't added that dollars. to yours? I have. No. <laughs> I'm not that vain. Just, it's in my email signature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
it is your id handle <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> all right 82 percent of sellers um seller are feeling locked in effect and more than 56 percent plan to wait for mortgage rates to come down while 25 percent of personal um sellers need to sell soon Baby boomers are the least affected by higher rates as they tend to be a substantial amount of equity in their homes, mm -hmm. giving a power, powerful edge in today's market over the last two years. Whew. Yeah. Do you think that's, that's people? Yeah. Do you think that's people more or less that paid off their mortgage that just don't want to leave it because they'd have to take on a monthly payment again? Or is that more along the scale of people sitting there with a two and 3% interest rate on a mortgage? wanting to leave and pay what double triple at this point in yeah, some cases no, it's definitely the latter mm -hmm. yeah i mean i because but most of these let's say you know the baby boomers let's say they do have a mortgage most likely mm -hmm. it's it's not a huge mortgage it's probably not a huge mm -hmm. mortgage if they are they're probably just like rolling a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage mm -hmm. you know over and over um at that two to three percent rate and i think they just mm -hmm. don't want to give that up but i mean they are the most unaffected because they do have the most money they have the most equity in their property yeah especially if they want to go in yeah it really is especially when it comes to the other part is trying to suggest to people that even trying to roll that into that personal home that they've lived in forever turning that into an investment property to a long-term or short-term rental property they earn residual income and invest that overhead towards their next property. I think that's one of the things that I had a, a client that I transacted with almost two and a half years ago that he started looking into that because he had a 2.87% interest rate with a long-term investment that's yeah. positive cash flow for a long-term tenant, like $400 a month, all things included. Um, so he's looking at stuff like that at this point so yeah i think one my lowest um one of my clients they probably got the lowest interest they got the bottom like one point something 1.99 did it get that low i don't okay, know no maybe okay maybe they didn't get the bottom <laughs> no but i think they got they got like a two it was like it was a two six five mm -hmm. and i'm and i'm like holy cow like, don't ever get that up. Like, rent your house out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm telling you, even though I would love the commission on sale of that house, like, just rent the house out because yep. that is basically free money. Mm -hmm. I think that hidden meaning behind all of this, though, is that basically people aren't going to let those homes go. They're going to either hold on to them as rentals or live in them for a very long time. And that mm -hmm. ultimately leads to our increasing inventory issue. Um mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely not going to help the housing market that interest rates are so much higher and that those people are holding on. I think that we're going to mm -hmm. continue seeing multiple offers and crazy bidding wars. And I have no idea what the answer to that. I'm not like an economist by any means, but we yeah. increased rates. We've still got multiple offers. People are now unwilling to let go of their homes. So our inventory shortage is getting even worse. Like, what is the resolution there? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss of what that, what that's going to look like over the next two years. I have no idea. Um, especially I mean, like interest rates are high. Prices are high. New construction, but there's no market help. crash. New construction <laughs> right. helps. 
Mm-hmm. That's the one topic I'm going to talk about in a second. But like, but like, we're not we're not seeing any crashes. Mm-hmm. You should knock on wood. Like, I don't believe that there's a market crash, but I'm also a little superstitious only when it comes to real estate, and just like all of us collectively, knock on your desk. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, shoot, I had building is cheaper than resale, but I don't have it. Oh, yes, I do. All right. New housing study shows most Floridians better off building than buying a home. Which, honestly, it is cheaper buying a building that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's cheaper. First off, the seller, the builder usually gives builder credits and also mm-hmm. you get um, lower insurance. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. Because everything's brand new. Florida. Yeah. Everything's mm-hmm. brand true. new. You get lower insurance. Now, our taxes are much higher. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, as far as insurance, I'd rather pay, I think, a little bit more in taxes than $500 a month in insurance. Mm-hmm. rather have that uh, going towards taxes. What do you guys think? I think that we are a biased party of people. Didn't we all go new construction? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, if that's any here. indicator, we are all biased on this. <laughs> okay, but let's, know, let's do it this know, way. Sam, I didn't know you bought new construction, Sam. Yeah, so let's mm-hmm. do this. Why did you decide to go new construction? Oh man, yeah, cheaper, yes. less expensive. Between the yes, less expensive, and a significant other that also said, "I want new. I don't want to be living in Gertrude's old roof with everything breaking down." And <laughs> <laughs> I would rather have something brand new. That obviously we yeah. can build the memories. We can do whatever we want with it based off of kind yeah. of a clean slate. That's realistically so, the reason why we chose new construction. Like maintenance, no ghosts, definitely not haunted. Those were your primary concerns. Correct. Yes. Not a meth lab. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Right. right. Call back. Um, <laughs> we ended up going new construction because there was literally nothing else. There was literally yeah. nothing else on the market that could fit all of our needs, like all of the people that were we you had renting? in the United States. Yeah. So when we moved down, um, we rented for a year in Brandon and then we decided to try Tampa out like city of Tampa rented for a year. And then our landlord was like, I'm selling. It's a great time to sell. So we got to finish out our lease, obviously, but we were kind of hoping to extend. We loved it there. And we kick ourselves every day for not buying that place because it was offered to us um, and quickly found ourselves in one of the worst markets for buyers in the city of Tampa and ended up with like one of three options. So. It's a beautiful home and I'm very lucky and happy, but it's not what we hoped for. Mm. You should, yeah, you should have bought the place that was offered for you. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> You're like, no, I want a new house. No, no, I didn't. So I, I mean, I think my husband and I both really enjoy like fixing things up and kind of dreaming through things. And that's one of the things with new construction where like, you're not going to get your money back. Like, I wish that my kitchen was different. I know exactly how to do it. I know exactly mm-hmm. how much it would cost, but we're not going to recoup that investment because it's already brand new. Yeah. Yeah. See, so I'm buying new construction, but there's already multiple things 
that we're changing. Right. But you're changing it during the build process, right? Um, no. They oh, wow. Unfortunately. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was our situation. That was our situation as well. Yeah. They, 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 <laughs> Everything they, was all settled up. It basically, it's a, it's, it's an, you get options like A, B, C. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's basically a glorified spec home. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's what, I mean, that's fine. It, it, that's fine but for us because changing things won't be too expensive. Like just changing the floor, not mm -hmm. that, not that expensive if you do it yourself. Um, now, as far as like putting new countertops or whatever on kitchen, adding like backyards, I'm more of outside person. So mm -hmm. I want a garden. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before. I would like a garden. Um, I'd like, you know, some outdoor things, pergola. Um, I'm, I, you know, just fences, like whatever mm -hmm. it is. That stuff's going to cost money, but anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't move around um, like your entire kitchen. Like say, I don't want the stove mm -hmm. right here. I'm going to move it over here. Or like in our house, mm -hmm. they didn't do the... Um, What's it called? I don't cook. It's above the oven. Mm. And it blows the range, uh, yeah. Range yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't do one of those. Like, that's crazy to me. So, but to do mm. that is, it can be expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, and then there's, there, I mean, there's just some other stuff of also our house. Like, we want to flip, we want to turn the washer and dryer. It's because right now it borderlines the garage. We just mm -hmm. want to flip them and put them in the garage and then use like a laundry room as something mm. different. So yeah, kind of like a mud room type thing. Well, mud yeah, room we'll in see. Florida is kind of a oxymoron yeah. here, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Showing a little bit too much of Midwest here. Yeah. Well, that, I cabana. think that's one of the things. Well, with... Florida would be like a cabana room, but anyways, yeah. Yeah. I call it a mudroom too. The room that you walk in from the garage, and that's where your laundry and yeah. utility sink are. That's where you leave your muddy shoes. Yeah. Yeah, but also like you got to think where y'all grow grew up. Like I only know that as a mudroom only because of my significant my my wife's whole family is all Midwest. That's the only reason why we had that kind of mudroom type thing is what we called it. But um, to kind of talk about the new construction as well. And I'm not sure if Robbie, this is something that's on your scale when it comes to new construction. Does y'all's community already have like preset phases mm -hmm. like set up? Like, are you building on the beginning of the community or like the tail end of the community? Middle. The middle. Okay. <laughs> we're kind of in that middle stage as well. So one thing that was kind of an indicator is obviously they were in the escalating sales price. So that way they could push the second phase. Right. Price is even higher because obviously mm -hmm. everybody who bought originally is perfectly fine with where their price that they purchased at. Looking at where we were, they tried to do a little dip type thing during the kind of increasing doubling of quote unquote doubling of interest rates, if you will. But um, they started dropping prices. And I think this was a conversation I actually so had. So I, with you, Sam. I picked up the tail end. Sorry to cut you off. I no, picked go up for it. right when they started raising prices mm -hmm. yeah so they dropped mm -hmm. they dropped like a little bit over 10 percent, a little bit over 10 yeah. percent of what they were going for and that's where i dropped in and now they're starting to raise it up again 
Yeah. Good. They dropped ours almost 10, 15 percent. Yeah. Like literally, I was talking to the sales consultants <laughs> two days before closing. Okay. Oh, because they dropped it like 50,000, 60,000 oh, wow. in some cases. And that was actually a conversation that Sam, you actually inspired that whole thing. I was like, you know what? Two days prior to closing, it might that. be just being a squeaky wheel, but so glad I did that because obviously that cut us pretty good because they were slashing prices so they could finish out the rest of the phase one before they opened up phase two. So, yeah, I remember, I remember that, you know, our, um, you know, team leader chat where you mm-hmm. talk, kind of talked about a situation where one of your agents, I think Sam, you were talking about this, where the builder tried to, um, they were locked in at a price, but all the other prices that they were currently selling was, was a little mm-hmm. bit lower. And so you're, you kind of negotiated for your clients, um, lower prices. And in Sean's case, you were negotiating for yourself. At it, yeah. So and needless to say, if you work with any kind of clients in new construction, keep tabs of throughout that build process of what the other community homes are doing in the incentives that they're applying, because obviously that helped influence some of the incentives towards the tail end. I remember they tried to cut our seller credit for utilizing their home loan products in half prior to closing. Wow. So that was fun. Yeah. That's crazy. That's the one thing about working with a builder though, is like they, it's cookie cutter. You can only have this um, Mm -hmm. and it's option A, B or C. Or if you got in at the time that like I did in the phase of construction, they're like, oh yeah, those are options, but not for you. It's too late. So you don't even get to Mm -hmm. choose those things. Right. And then Mm -hmm. they're like, you have to use our lender in order to get our closing costs. And they've come up with all these crazy rules. In addition, Mm -hmm. most new construction contracts don't even have appraisal contingencies, which was like a huge concern of mine. So in, right. we didn't buy in like a community that's being built out. Um, it's a smaller builder and they basically demolish older homes in the area <clears throat> after they've been sold and split the lots in half and build, you know, in the city of Tampa. So you don't have a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. Was it like a big builder? Or you said small builder. I mean, smaller than like the big ones that you guys are talking about, but not yeah. like a tiny custom builder by any means. Yeah. Sure. I think, I mean, one of my main, one of my future goals is to, you know, buy some land. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this before, <laughs> buy some land and then custom build uh, the mm-hmm. house that I kind of want um, on mm-hmm. the land that, you know, on, on the land, maybe have some mm-hmm. cows, some chickens, yeah. you know, some other stuff. So question for y'all, since obviously we're all new construction, basically on this call. Do you think that any of the experiences that either you've worked with a client during those low interest rate times, the old market, if you will, inspired your direction on moving forward with new construction even further because you see them basically buying houses that need a lot of work and refurb and everything like that? No, I I mean, literally we chose because of lack of options. Mm, um and not acting on the house that we were leasing fast enough so that, mm. is, that was the decision i hate new construction i hate it for my clients i know that it's a it's a big money maker i know that a lot of clients like it i know that you know there is definitely value in everything being new it saves you money on insurance gives you peace of mind saves you maintenance costs all of that good stuff i just think there's such mm. value in like buying a resale making it your own upgrading it building out equity 
which is can be hard to do in a new construction if you really don't think it through. It can be hard to build your equity quickly versus a resale. Mm -hmm. So I also think it's more sustainable to be uh, buy resale. I can't talk to buy a resale. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, man. Well, I mean, in my area, it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more difficult um, as far as mm -hmm. what is um, new construction. Now, if I was going to buy in my current like let's say 10 mile radius, it's going to be way out of my price range. Now, if I buy a lot, um, sure, you can buy a lot, but you're going to have to have a decent amount of cash down um, just to buy the lot. You can't really finance those things. But um, for the most part, um, yeah, I had a little, I had to go a little bit out of the way um, to, to buy what I think would be good. You know, so, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. But I also don't want to buy a 50-year-old house. That's fair. That's what I, it's a lot of work. I don't want. Yeah, it's a lot more work. You're probably going to have to put a whole new roof on it, and who knows how long it's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, all right, moving on. Airbnb generated nearly $372 million in tourist tax in the state of Florida in 2022. Ron DeSantis clapping his hands. Um, we are proud to play. Um, we are proud to play a pivotal role in keeping Florida's economy strong by welcoming millions of guests each year, said Airbnb spokesman. spokesman. Um, I don't know about you guys. I'm not a huge fan Airbnb person. Why? Mm -mm. Not a huge Airbnb person. Stayed in like you don't I utilize it. You don't like working with clients that want it. Like what is, what do you mean by that? I would uh, rather stay in a hotel. Right. That you're talking about from the customer experience portion of it. Uh, I've, I, for between 2018 to 2020 ish, mm. I only stayed at Airbnbs. Um, that's where like I can go, I can travel with my dogs. That's where I stayed. It was a really simple experience. Last two years, man, I've not had good experience in Airbnbs. I'd rather just go to like a like a friendly dog hotel if I'm going to go somewhere. Honestly, I haven't had a good experience with Airbnbs. And I know I'm a realtor and I know that like a lot of investors like to use Airbnb and buy Airbnbs, but I feel like um, and several of my friends currently have Airbnbs, um, mm -hmm. and, and you know that they that they utilize. Um, just mm -hmm. I think that there could be a better option out there. I mean, I think the fees are wrong. I love Airbnb. I love the mm -hmm. idea of like going to a place that you've never been and then staying inside of somebody's home. So I don't mean in the way that like you go to Orlando and you get a vacation rental right next to Disney and then you just go to the parks all day. I mean, like. You're traveling to France and you go live in a, a Paris apartment for the week that you're there. You know what I mean? Like, I think it gives you a more unique perspective than staying in a hotel, but like who can pass on a really great hotel. So I get it. Yeah. yeah. And not, not I, only that too, is that they're increasing the rates, right? They're increasing not just the rates, like but the service fees, fees and cleaning fees. Yeah, right. It's insane. The cleaning fee. Oh my gosh. It's like I'm here. I'm in here for a week. Why am I paying? If I literally paid somebody, 
like we like every once in a while we like splurge and we have someone come clean our house a cleaning fee is not three hundred dollars and for like uh even though we've been here for a week (laughs) like we live here all right random business opportunity (laughs) for those that are terrible real estate gift givers i know we're going off tangent here but a cleaning service for your clients prior to closing yeah. to deep clean the house hands down has been the one that people remember more than a cutting board and a bottle of champagne, obviously still get them a bottle of champagne. Of course. I mean, just get them but, some Omaha steaks, but yeah, okay, I agree. That too. <laughs> do you guys but do like a deep cleaning gift? service? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I moved straight to the service after a certain period you, of time because you're still giving a gift for closing though. Correct. Bottle of champagne. What kind? I of went the Etsy champagne? route. Um, oh god, I'm not a champagne. If I'm person, getting champagne, I'm getting verve, verve. Okay, verve, verve, verve. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. What? What? Free, I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> feel free to let us know verve, the correct. Verve. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to let us know after the episode, after listening to this, what the correct pronunciation of the yellow was it yellow or orange label? Yeah, yellow is orange. orange. I don't know. So this is actually a great topic, and I know it's not slated for today. I in during COVID obviously stopped giving clothing the gifts. Nobody wanted to touch any of the things that anybody else had touched. So like it just made sense. And I understand that some mm. people were immediately like, Oh, I'm gonna do virtual get like e-gift cards. I was like, wait. Let me try out not giving any presents at all and see if it impacts my business. And guess what? It literally didn't. <laughs> it turns out that all that people care about is the relationship that you have with them. So if you maintain constant contact, you don't fall out, you keep up with their life events, you're going to get the referral business, whether you gave them a cutting board or the deep cleaning before they move in or any of that stuff. So literally, I give no closing gifts anymore. Hasn't impacted my business. I net more None. from each closing. Zero. No, absolutely Just not. Just her as a real estate agent. Please don't work with Sam. She will not get you anything. <laughs> what? Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Let me, I know maybe, maybe a client will listen to this, but the reality is like, what am I buying you a present for? Mm. I'll write you a very nice thank you card. Absolutely. I'm super appreciative. Mm-hmm. I but I did a service for you, the one that you hired me to do. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> What? I won't. Um, I won't. Have you even seen some people do like home warranties, oddly enough? Yeah. Which, I mean, that probably makes more tactical sense. If it's like a million dollar bar, maybe. Yeah. Maybe a home warranty. But I do like the idea of cleaning service. I think that. That's a really useful idea, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or like carpet cleaning. Like, hey, I'm going to, you know, have, I'm going to send someone in and they're going to deep clean all your carpets, which. Um, I did one time, um, but you not, not, no, <laughs> like I, I, I told somebody, um, it wasn't like a gift that like, Oh, like I'll, I'm going to do this for them. It was like, they were, um, pissed about the carpets mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. walkthrough. And I'm like, I'll just deep clean them for you. And I'm going to pay somebody to come out. So we can close today and I can do my condition <laughs> check. But then I did that. And what it did was it brought out certain smells. Oh. They came Prior in. This, have they you ever deep... used that or no? 
No, no, I, ne- I never like I. This was like something I thought on on the spot. I'm like, wow, I'm just being a problem solver today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> like go out and like they aren't gonna close on this home because this freaking carpet smell. And I'm just gonna, you know, don't worry about it, Mister Client, Mister Buyer. I'm gonna take care of this out of my own pocket. So I do. And like a two, two or three days after closing, they call me and they're like, "Hey, something really smells in this house." So, and some so sometimes like maybe don't get a carpet, like just get the mm. carpet replaced. Don't mm. clean the carpet. Or maybe the lesson is instead of paying and ordering the service for your client, you give them a gift card for the value of the service, and then you let them hire mm. whoever they would like. I thought you were going a different direction with that. I thought, I yeah, thought you were saying instead of <laughs> instead yeah, of going was, through all that yeah. effort, just don't buy him just anything. Don't, <laughs> just don't buy him anything. I, mean, I really too, thought. Too. I do want to clarify. If there's ever something small like that that's stopping the deal from closing, absolutely I'll cover that. But I wouldn't consider that a mm-hmm. gift. I would consider that like a casualty of war. Like I had to do this mm-hmm. to get to the finish line. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, it was literally like we're gonna close today, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, don't worry about it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. You no. Know? And then, and then they, and then I didn't ask them for a review after because I was too afraid of like what that would be. Anyways, what do you think they're gonna say? He had my carpets cleaned for me for free, and now yeah, they he smell. told us like that's he not told, yeah. people don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, looking back, it's a little bit different. But in the moment, (laughs) in the moment. All right. All right. So imposter syndrome with social media or just in general, in general, (laughs) in general. I think it was just in general. I don't think it had anything to do with Mm -hmm. social media, though applicable there as well. Um, I think imposter syndrome is something that's like really prevalent in probably just our age group in general. But I think in real estate, it's Mm -hmm. super easy to fall into this trap. So I started selling houses at 21. I became a team leader at, don't let me lie to you, 26. And to say that I definitely experience imposter syndrome on a daily basis is putting it lightly. And I think it's something that we should talk about. Do you guys deal with that at all? Okay, well, first question though, like how did you, so you were 26, you became a team leader. You're probably right? Was it 26? Um, I think so. 26, 27, even, even, even then. But like, mm-hmm. if you're, that young you're going to get some agents that are in that are twice your age Mm -hmm. oh i've got agents nearly three times my age on my team yeah okay but but now you do (laughs) i'm saying when you first became team leader right and you Mm -hmm. were 26 27 years old you're trying to like tell these people what to do so i think that there's there's a way to manage Right. And then there's there's a way to be a dictator and probably not stick around for too long. So I, I think that it has to come from a, a common place of respect um, for who they are, the value that they provide, the value that I provide, and then finding our way forward together. I think that that is mm-hmm. absolutely where you lead from. But to say that it's not intimidating to be like, I have to do one on ones with how many 50 year old people that have kids my age right now. OK, mm-hmm. awesome. But. To caveat that, and in my mind, this is the circle that I do or was doing at the time. I know what I'm doing. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm in this position for a reason. 
I can do what they want to do really well if I can just figure out a way to get that information to them in a way that they can retain it and then practice it and implement it, it could change their lives. And so I think that that was what kind of drove me through it was you could really help people if you just get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that it is, it's not about, um, it, it's about how you can relate to them in, in a respectful mm -hmm. manner. But yeah, I like that. That's a tough realization. If you think about the grand scheme of things, to come to the realization of saying, listen, I have a skill set that I know what I'm doing, but my inexperience or lack of experience tactically in the field of which I'm currently licensed in to inspire to keep people from doing things that ultimately I've either, either done in the past or keeping them from getting fined or in any kind of legal trouble. That's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. If you think about the day-to-day -day operations of an agent, it's one thing to focus solely on your own business. Obviously, being the least experienced out of the three of us, that was one of the things stepping into this role that was, yes, I have a great amount of skill sets, technology, and being able to coach and mentor people because that's my background prior to this was coaching development and aquatics management. That was my entirety of my thing. And then management into hospitality. Um, that was my background, loved what I did, but then stepping into real estate, I feel like the new kid on the block. Now I'm stepping into a role of leadership of mentoring other people. Yes. I've had substantial amount of family members in real estate. So I pull on that a lot from that experience of their, them going through it, but the ever revolving door, if you will, to remind yourself, listen, you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, you know who to ask that has more expertise to be able to inspire people that obviously are doing this on a day-to-day -day basis. Cause you can kind of recollect based off of the times that you remember being out there by yourself as a 1099 employee waiting for the next commission check to come through. So yeah. I think those are the things right. that we just kind of constantly remind ourselves is about that kind of stuff. So I also think it's fair in my opinion, at least as somebody that struggles with imposter syndrome and anxiety and all of these things where I'm just like deeply analytical about myself and what I'm providing to my team or, you know, on my personal life. Um, I am deeply distrusting of anybody that doesn't experience imposter syndrome. Like if you just walk mm -hmm. out and you're like, I'm the man for the job, I have no questions about it. I know exactly what I'm going to say and people are going to love it. No. I, I I very strongly believe in checking your ego at the door. And if there wasn't a little bit of self-questioning, yeah, mm. then like, <laughs> how can you be so sure? What about you, Robbie? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, well, in, I, in my current position, I don't feel like I ever felt imposter syndrome, but I felt like imposter syndrome when I started social media. That's when I felt mm. definitely a little bit off because it's just not me it's just not yeah. something that i really do it's not something that like um i mean there's a period of time where i in in the past 24 months i didn't go i deleted all social media for like nine months and i uh, and i felt like i was on social media a little bit too much and just being a consumer mm. and so at the beginning of this year um it was definitely like a change. Like, who am I? Like, I'm a nobody. I'm honestly like mm -hmm. a nobody. And so like, and I'm, you know, 
giving information or giving news or giving my expertise on um, on real estate, like who am I? So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's different when it's one-on-one agents. Um, you're you're sharing over your team, um, and it's like an, it's like a little bit um, different when you're giving it to the world, like mm-hmm. your the yeah. news or your the expertise or or, or something like that. So, um, you know, um, but I but yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely um, especially for new agents. So, like mm-hmm. when I when I when we first, um, when you first mentioned this as a topic, um, for me, it was, it was, I had imposter syndrome when I first started because mm-hmm. I was young. And then all the people that I dealt with were way older than me, have bought homes before. And I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. That's when I felt it the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and luckily, and luckily, um, I felt, um, I was instilled with confidence by the team leader that I had at the time because mm-hmm. I can, I could lean on them a little bit. Um, and growing up in sports, I always leaned on other people. So I felt like it was an easy transition. But when I first started in real estate, shoot, I felt like imposter syndrome all the way mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. It's really yeah, interesting yeah. that you felt that way with social media though. Because really, anybody that's posting on social media all started with zero followers, zero engagement, mm-hmm. zero likes, nothing going on on their account. They just start posting and eventually amass these people. And I think it's, um, I think it's kind of like a confidence check. Like, have you sat down with those feelings? And I don't need to get too ooey gooey here, but like, it, it becomes <laughs> it becomes a question of like, why do you feel like you're not worth that? Or why do you feel like what you have to say doesn't valid or doesn't matter as much? Why is your inex- your experience invalidated by all of these other people around? Like you had your experience. It's yeah. worth sharing and whoever wants and to listen will listen. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think you're, you're kind of just who we are. You're looking, the stuff that you're consuming is from people that have 10, 20, 30 time the followers that you have and you have nothing you literally have mm-hmm. nothing um except for the stuff that you kind of de- dealt with on a d- daily basis but i mean again i started social media just for um putting information into the people that are in my network mm-hmm. and i think once i had a realization of that I'm really just trying to, I'm not trying to like branch out and get new followers. I could care less, but the people that are in my network, that's who I was really focused on. Mm-hmm. And especially to inspire the agents that you're, that you're mentoring and teaching True. and partnering with. It was yeah. to say, Hey, listen, if I could do it, anybody can do exactly. it. Exactly. So, <laughs> like, like, and it resonates with them. I mean, yeah. it might not resonate with every single one, one of the people totally. that we get to talk to on a daily basis. But if one thing that we say spike strikes a chord with anybody, I feel like that's essentially one of the things yeah. that you kind of hang your hat on at the end of the day. And like, I'm again, I'm still no one on social media, but for the, I'm trying to show to my the agents that are on my team it's it's not that difficult you know i saw an article today um that i thought was interesting i do a green screen on it and that's what i post today 
Mm-hmm. Is it, and, and, you know, these are, these are news breaking articles that come out within the last seven days. Mm-hmm. And that I think that people that I know would find value in. So that's really, that's really what kind of inspired me to kind of get on social media was to show my agents how simple it was. Because mm-hmm. I knew that it was simple. It's just doing it. I think um, I've sent you guys this video a couple weeks ago and Sean was like, I hate that guy. But Jordan Peterson put it really well in that video. So maybe we can come back to it sometime. Everybody struggles with imposter syndrome. It's the people that are mm-hmm. confident enough to just go out and try and do it that are successful. And the ones that struggle with it so bad that they don't even try. Those are the people that, for lack of a better word, are the losers of the world, right? They don't try anything new. Right. They can't ever be successful. Um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Which is which is honestly kind of a uh, good segue into our bonus content today, was, which is mistakes agents kind of make in their first year of real estate. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of us, we have agents that come in that are brand new to the, you know, we're all team leaders here, but like we have agents that come in that are brand new and we have agents that are coming that have been in the business for a while, but what's, but we have all been first year agents, rookie agents mm-hmm. and, um, mistakes that we made in our first year. Mm-hmm. Hands down, the first one that comes to mind is consistency. I think, I mean, you kind of relate to your agents as well. Trying to do something completely monotonous every single day, day in and day out, to speak to people, find out what stage of the game that they're in, Mm. find out what resonates with them in order to be able to inspire them moving forward so they can, quote unquote, know, like, and trust us enough to help them with such a financial like gain largest financial purchase of their life realistically. But mm-hmm. it's the consistency factor. If you think about it for the most part, especially for the agents that I get to help with, they tend to be more along the newer scale. They're starting a new endeavor. Um, that's kind of the most part. Not to say a lot of it's based off of work ethic, but a lot of it is based off of work ethic and consistency so how and to, persistence. How to overcome the agents that we mentor with the posture syndrome. Just kidding. No. <laughs> Segway there. Sam. <laughs> um, I think Sean hit the nail on the head, but I'll give you something different. I think it's really easy as a brand new agent when you get your first deal, finally, however long it freaking took you, you get that first deal and that is all you're laser focused on. Mm-hmm. And if we're being completely honest with ourselves, it does not take 40 hours a week to manage a transaction on week two mm-hmm. through four, right? So what are you actually doing? You're wasting all of that time that you should have spent building out your pipeline because you're going to go up, you're going to get your first pending, it's going to close, you're going to go, oh shit, now I have to go through that entire Mm -hmm. process all over again. Learning how to kind of do those things simultaneously. If you can learn that faster, I think the better off I would have been personally, and I know my agents Mm -hmm. would be as well. Um, In addition to just like ripping that bandaid off on prospecting, role-playing, script practicing Mm -hmm. a lot more, I was lucky that my first team, it was mandatory. There were no exceptions. You had to be in the office for a set number of hours every single day, and you did role play right before in front of everyone. You couldn't hide. But I think that had I practiced those scripts in my off time more, it would have happened faster for me. I would have had more effective prospecting faster. I could have gotten more clients, more deals a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. I think Robbie, yeah. you even said some great points about the usual go-to that you say during some of the education and training platforms that we have 
in our group is learning to handle objection and rejection and not taking it personally that these people are telling you no, but they're not telling you no indefinitely. They're just telling you no right now because they don't know that they need your help. I mean, most of it. I mean, we all know this stereotypical real estate agent. Most of us see us as a glorified door opener. They don't know us enough until they need a door opened or help writing a contract realistically. But mm-hmm. um, handling a rejection and not taking it personally or when things blow up at the door, three transactions go down. I mean, obviously, that's a really emotional roller coaster to go on. But knowing that that will, you're not losing a buyer over a blown up deal. You're not losing any kind of, well, you might, depending on if they ruin their credit, of course, but not really. I mean, yeah, leaving your ego at the door, I think is one of those things that obviously I wish I would have known earlier. I think more, more real estate agents need a thick skin. I think Mm -hmm. too many nice people get into real estate and then they get um, rejected once. And then that's, you know, that could, they could be great realtors, but they get rejected once. And then that, that's, that's it, you know? Mm. Um, but, but, you know, to go back to what Sam said, I, I mean, I can't wait to clip that because I mean, I think that it was, there's a lot of good points there. Um, mm. and, and, um, the one thing that also kind of goes in tandem with that too is, and it kind of takes, a lot for us on, and I'm starting to learn this from the leadership side of that is those people. And it's more adopted in the kind of role that I'm currently in with the agents. I get to mentor, of course, but seeing people quit before they even really get started, I think is one of the biggest gut punches that I've taken on as a leader is like, listen, you're, you're starting to build traction. And then you're taking the easy road out because you have that fork in the road where things are really getting tough, but you just needed an extra X amount of phone calls or X amount of appointments that you're deciding to take the easy route to go back to what you're familiar with. I mean, we could talk about that with life in general, but. I was going to say, I don't want to tie it back to the cold punch too soon. Like, I don't want to make this (laughs) full circle. But it, it's about mental toughness. There's no instant mm-hmm. gratification. You will be in that moment where you're saying, why am I doing this? Is it for other people? Is it for myself? Like, where are my priorities mm-hmm. right now? How am I going to continue? Because you, there are so many people that tap out right before it gets good. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they're consistent for two weeks and then they go, oh, this is boring. This is monotonous. There's no instant gratification. I'm going to move on. No, just stay in there. You just, we just had an agent like that. Um, that just moved up where couldn't be consistent, wasn't seeing any results, finally had, you know, some real consistency and immediately like within a month, two months had some really great results and finally got to the place that she wanted to be. And sometimes I know that I'm aggressive. I was recently told, I don't know if you guys remember that I'm one of the most intimidating people that people meet, um, which never, I don't believe to be before. true whatsoever. <laughs> but <laughs> then I say things it's like, like this. I've ever said that before. <laughs> I just want to shake people sometimes because if they could just get out of their own way. Mm. Well, everyone's uh, biggest problems is usually themselves. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Right back to imposter syndrome. Call back. (laughs) Oh man. Do we have would you rather this week, Sean? 
We do. I have a couple. I mean, for the most part, they're kind of all not all based off of kind of your experience as an agent, but a couple of the ones that kind of coin in with what we're talking about is um, more or less. Would you rather have a client or a client you're working with that always asks for your personal opinion on everything Mm. or a client that thinks that they know everything? Somebody who asks if you for permission, you know, basically. The last couple of weeks, I've gone first. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, so, and so I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Sam go first today. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I've given this some thought. Mm-hmm. I would rather have the client that asks me for my opinion every single time. Even though I hate that, and I do believe that as a realtor, it's my job to say, my opinion doesn't matter. You're the one buying the house. I can give you resources so that you can make an educated decision. But at the end of the day, it's not for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a know-it-all just sucks the life out of me. I hate it. Mm I hate it so much. It is tough. And the thing is, too, you were kind of floating two different hats there. You were almost thinking about as a team leader and as an agent kind of perspective there but more or less the question was kind of based off the agent but if you think about it on the reverse side too with as a team leader like obviously for somebody that's not necessarily our self-starter but they always ask for your opinion ask for the next steps ask for everything like that versus a person that thinks they know anything everything and they kind of make errors along which the we way. talked about last week we did talk about that last week but like would you have that haven't yeah um, so um okay so <laughs> last week Last week, my my opinion was, would I rather have an agent that knew it all or, or like mm-hmm. the, the would you rather was, would you rather have an agent that knew it all, knew it all or like um, asked too many questions? I don't remember exactly what it was. But um, in this instance, and I don't know if it's um, based on the answer that Sam just said, but I do <laughs> agree with her. I do agree with her um, mm-hmm. that, yeah, I'd, I'd like a um client that agrees with what i or is asking for my opinion personally i think Mm -hmm. it's easier and i think that um if they're not listening to you if they don't Mm -hmm. value your opinion maybe they shouldn't be your client sure i am gonna kind of go the other direction because i do not mind those kind of people that think they know everything because i think humility comes in various forms and sizes and forms in that case And it's really easy by working with a buyer that think they know everything. Mm. You do it their way on two or three things. And then the retrospective of like, Ooh, I think I'm wasting time and effort on this. Mm. Maybe we actually should listen to the market expert on what he's realistically going to do. Those are people are a little bit easier by fuel by fire or trial by fire, if you will. When it comes to that, so I'm gonna kind of go the, the other direction there. The caveat to that, you have to add the asterisk. The person that thinks that they know it all is a is able to learn. I think they're they're able to evolve mm-hmm. over time, right? Because we all have That's that true. one client that just doesn't learn. That's true. I mean, either you leave them off of the sideline for a little certain period of time. Obviously, those of us that have played sports growing up, we know what it looks like when they, we feel like we know it all. And we try to get in the game and we do everything that we think that we know. And then you're put on the sideline and you're like, wait a second, I don't know what I'm doing here. So I don't know. That's one of those things. 
Fine. Is that a common like guys... sport thing? They just take you out I mean, of the game. I always, I, I, I always mm. knew what I was doing when I played sports. So. I know because you're just eighteen baller <laughs> over there. So yeah. <laughs> All right. I so would you rather? Bench. I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so would you rather have a high volume of transactions or a higher commission rate? Commission rate. Ooh. Oh, damn it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing i tell people all the time my dead file drawer is just about as deep as my clothes mm. file drawer that's a lie but mm. it's a pretty good drawer um and it's figurative i don't actually keep a drawer just of my dead files <laughs> if you're watching the video footage there's a ton of drawers behind us <laughs> with dead files i guarantee the top three drawers there all dead, dead. files <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Knowing what I know, I would rather do way more transactions because I can amass mm. more commissions than if I was just hanging on, let's say, 10 transactions that have a higher commission rate. This, this really ties back, though, to like an average sale price point or like a luxury home. And I would still always pick the average sale. Mm. I'm picking the luxury. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robbie, you would go higher commission rates with less deals. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's a leverage. If they're guaranteed to close, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's the hypothetical world that this question and answer game is. Um, Hey, you know, I love spending time with my family. I love going to breweries. I love going Mm. to, uh, you know, farmers market on Saturdays. So if I if I had to pick, yeah, I'd probably be you know less deals, more commission. Um, but I understand Sam's point where you kind of get more referrals. You get more referrals from, um, the more deals that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I'm about to go with Robbie on this higher commission rate game, mainly because if I throw more transactions, there's more chance to, there's more chance to fall out. (laughs) You're basically exhausting no. experiencing twice almost twice as much burnout by doing more transactions yes yeah, so you're yeah, gonna that's get great you sold twice as many homes business. as me but like but let's sell 10 luxury homes right you're banking on those every every mm-hmm. month you're like i need this home to sell otherwise i'm not gonna have enough money and there's only nine more opportunities this year that one didn't sell oh. okay i really need this home to sell there's only eight more opportunities this year no, no but i, I know i see your point Yep. Uh, not to speak for Robbie no. here, but it depends on if you're more frugal or not when it comes to the commissions. Once it comes to that, yes, you're going to. I don't know a single realtor that's good at model. managing that. Yeah, not what, from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's probably an error somebody makes in their first year of real estate, too. If you think mm-hmm. about it, sure. Should we go out buy not out saving the luxury? for taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Boom. I mean, everything was right off my first year. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very funny story really quick. IRS so my, has entered the chat. My, my brother uh, got licensed when he got out of the Marines. He came to live with me for a year. He actually joined with us. He was on my team. Um, oh, he hated okay. it. Yeah, hated. Mm. He, he wasn't into being a realtor. He wasn't a salesperson. I was just trying to help him out. And uh, I thought it could be a good fit, but it ended up not being. Anyway, so he gets out of real estate, moves back to Virginia, is having a very happy, happily ever after. But files his taxes for the year that he's in real estate sold maybe and i'm sorry zach if you listen to this i don't remember exactly maybe six houses maybe mm-hmm. in one year 
Okay, he, that's like the average. So, st- all right, Zach, good job. Okay. <laughs> well done. I don't know I'm why she's so weird about to boost you up. <laughs> anyway, did not make a ton of money, right? Because they were all brokers, you know, whatever. Um, ended up filing his taxes on his own. Didn't call me, didn't ask me any questions. The realtor in the family that could have definitely helped him is still paying that tax bill. I was like, no. Oh, the innocent dagger turned to the you know, chest on, right there. Two just, days oh. after tax season ends, though, I kind of feel that. I feel like yeah. I'm always paying taxes. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Oof, oof. Sorry to interrupt. Would you rather, Sean? No, please. <laughs> that was honestly a great tangent to go on. Sorry, Zach, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> so obviously kind of going in tandem with what we were talking about earlier, would you rather focus solely on existing homes or new construction? New construction? <laughs> Damn it, so Sam's going to be mean, like, resale all day. This is just personal bias. I really hate working new construction. You've got to wait for the rep. You've got to wait for the lots. You've got to wait for all this stuff. Resale. You want to do resale, baby? I'll show you all the houses of the area. Let's go. We'll find one that you really like and we'll write an offer. New construction. It's not just not my experience. cup of tea. I've not, been, I've not had that experience with new construction. I've had mean? been like, like for the, you know, the deals that I've done, and this is just my experience that I've been new construction have been like, I've done nothing, man. You know, I walk in, I like, here's the sales rep lady. And then bam, you All know, right. I, I five, think that, mo- five months later, I'm good. I think we're getting to the bottom of it, right? I like to work. I don't mm-hmm. like feeling completely useless and wondering what value I can provide to earn my commission when I walk into a new mm-hmm. construction. Like, yeah, I can help you negotiate some upgrades and da 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 da. But basically, once you're executed, until we get to the final walk and I get that roll of blue tape and I do go crazy with that blue tape, what am I doing? Okay. You know what I mean? It's honestly actually the blue tape. Side question: fun. How many how many pieces of blue tape was the most you've ever had to do with a client? My worst blue tape was my own house. My uh, inspector actually went viral on TikTok (laughs) recording all my blue tape. Yeah. Like recording your blue tape, not his. No, he had no blue tape. (laughs) I. (laughs) Imagine. He's like, and he's like, he's like TikToking. Yeah, he's like TikToking, like my client just went nuts on this house. And it's just like, <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. But literally, he's like showing, showing, showing all this stuff. I mean, the builder did a crazy job. But then he gets this, he says, I guess she didn't like the stairs. And like every inch of the stairs was just blue tape. It was pretty bad. <laughs> you needed multiple rolls. Yeah. yeah, I did. I was going to say, he went from the original TikTok regular video with like maybe mm-hmm. a three minute video of little snippets to like TikTok live. So he just <laughs> ran the footage for six hours. It's like, one of these days we'll leave this blue tape walkthrough. I swear to you. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Um, mine was close to about 460. My wow. favorite one was when the I gave the buyers full realm to it, and I've learned from that by not mm-hmm. giving them the blue tape, but helping them find those individual places. Yeah. 
because they're going to forget where they put that blue tape and why they put it there. Because, like, the smallest little blemish, like 416 pieces. My personal favorite is the fact that we were missing the sliding glass door, mm. exiting the back door. So they decided that they wanted to take big old long strips around the exterior <laughs> to say, we are missing the sliding glass door, as if they wouldn't miss that prior to close, as if the builder wouldn't put that in prior to closing. But they're like, do we just put a piece of tape on this? We're definitely missing a sliding glass I really door. hope this wasn't like your personal experience because- it's not. <laughs> Could you imagine? No, it was not my wife when we purchased our new construction. <laughs> <laughs> it was only 342. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> All right. Um, no. And this one going into your kind of team leader hat, if you will. Would you rather have a team member or an agent who is highly competitive and motivated by outperforming others or an agent who is more collaborative and focused on achieving team goals. I think having a healthy mix is important, but if I have to choose, I'm going to choose the collaborative agent. Mm. I think me and Sam just should disagree on everything. I think, I think, I think moving forward, this podcast should just be like, what does Sam agree with? And then uh, Robbie's just going <laughs> to agree with the opposite. This is our our weekly Would You Rather segment. <laughs> Sam versus Robbie. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> no, I think, you know, honestly, some of my top performing agents, literally, they they have no idea what anybody else is doing on the team. They have no clue. They have, um, they just put their head down and they work mm -hmm. and, um, not saying that they don't communicate with anybody. That's not, mm -hmm. that's not what I'm saying, but they literally put their head down and work and they really only focus on their own business. Well, that could be kind of different based off of the teams that we oversee. Cause obviously our teams are a little bit different than Sam. Sam's is very much localized. Whereas our agents in the way that it's set up completely statewide they don't necessarily have that kind of ability to do as much collaborative work in the kind of form and fashion that we have them set up in. So in a localized fashion, it's good to hear that you like the collaborative agent rather than the competitive agent, but I'm going to have, I would take the competitive agent every day of the week. Maybe it's just the sports and coaching and development background that I'm in, but I love those people that are hard nosed, tough skin, I'm going to beat out my competition because I see other people on the leaderboard. Just had a conversation with somebody today. They're an absolute rock star because they compete with other people that are on their team. They want to do better because they see the end of the year celebration and walking across the stage to be best in our team. So yeah. it's really, really cool how that was set up. I agree with you, right? Having a competitive mindset is going to put you further in sales as long as you're practicing and honing in on your skills. I, that's really important, mm -hmm. but it's exactly what you said. I've got a local team. We get together at least once a month, really more frequently than that. We've got a constantly going team chat. We're on calls with each other all week. Like the overly competitive agent that just kind of you know, talks a little bit more than maybe they should and puts their foot in their mouth and really makes a you know what out of himself in front of the team versus the agent that says, 
they're not giving up anything. They're not giving up sales, mm -hmm. but they're saying, Hey, I've got this listing or I just did this and it works. And I want to share this with the team and I want to come to the events and I want to be a great mm -hmm. teammate. Those are the people that have helped me build the community that I've built over here. And that's why, why we work. Right. Did that flip your mindset there, Robbie, or no? No, no? Okay. I, my mindset there. Um, <laughs> sorry, Sam. Uh, my head says this. Sam, you want to take it away from us? All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Between Us Agents, where we keep it all just between us agents. Hopefully you'll tune in next week and we will see you soon.